Hello and welcome to my podcast. I'm Kim Akrig and we are talking about how to combine the metaphysical and the physical to manifest the business of your dreams. If you want to learn how to combine woo-woo and work ethic, strategy and manifestation, then stay tuned. This is for you. Hi my beauties. I hope you are having an incredible week. I am so excited to be bringing this episode to you because our guest is amazing and also self-love and self-care is just such a term that gets thrown around and people just always associate that it means like having a bath and doing a face mask and those things are important but I think it goes a lot deeper than that like it is such a radical act to just learn to love yourself deeply exactly as you are and also in this episode we touch on celebrating men and learning to love them I think there has been a lot of a reshuffling around how women relate to men in this day and time and I see a lot of women going around with the attitude that there's no good men out there and it's just really disempowering because what you choose to see is what you are going to see what you get what you expect in life not what you want so if you are expecting men to be terrible then that's what you're going to get more of and I know this sounds hard to articulate when you feel like you've just maybe been dating guy after guy that is really not right for you or is treating you badly, but I really encourage you to look at your relationship with yourself because other people are always just mirroring back to us what we believe about ourselves. So if you're not treating yourself the best, how can you expect other people to treat you that way as well? So keeping that in mind, I'm so excited to be getting into this episode, so let's get into the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today I am chatting with Crystal Garcia, and she is a self-love coach, transformational speaker, and a dream facilitator. She works with covert sex trafficking survivors, incorrectly called sex workers, detoxing from being trafficked, and moving into an abundant life full of love. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into what you do? Sure, and thanks for having me, Kim. So I am... (laughs) I'm a survivor of covert sex trafficking myself, mm-hmm. and it has been quite a long journey of healing. Mm-hmm. I, it takes a lot to detox from the mentality of that space, from the mentality mm-hmm. of being exploited and you know, trafficked in that sense. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, like the term prostitute, there's no such thing as a prostitute. That's totally like, that's a term to take the onus off of the pimp and the exploiters. Mm-hmm and put it onto those who are being exploited like pimping 101 is to leave though you know leave the pimped feeling like they asked for it or they chose it Mm -hmm. so after you know i've been working years of therapy and i have complex ptsd and i've just gotten into a place of my life where i finally feel safe and i love my life i enjoy my life i love myself and that's that's been quite a journey and and, you know the continued journey this life journey but i really wanted to support other people who have gone through that journey and to also disrupt the illusions that the sex trafficking industry puts out there Mm. and that it hides behind the covert sex trafficking victims and survivors and leaves people like just not wanting to hear the reality of what what has happened to them. 
Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I can imagine it's such a big journey to detox from that. But like, what did your process yeah. look like? Like, where did you begin? <laughs> well, I began with just the wish for a better life. So because for me, I spent most of my life suicidal. Mm. And so the, you know, years I was in the so called industry for about 13 years. And just to survive it, I mean, it took a lot of, uh, took a lot of addictions mm. and it took, which I was already an addict and that's how I was easily able to be brought into those worlds mm. and get sucked into those worlds by the addictions. Mm. So I, you know, drugs, you know, alcohol, which is a drug too, mm. sex addiction, spending addiction, any way to numb out uh, from the reality that I was being exploited and this was before the industry as well. I mean, I had a life filled with trauma. Mm. So it, I, I spent my 20s pretty much living like a zombie, just feeling completely dead inside, just kind of getting to, you know, wherever I was, you know, getting exploited, coming home, and, you know, dealing with the trauma, which I didn't realize that's what was happening, is continuously being traumatized and re-traumatized with all the sexual violations that were happening to my body. And so I'd come home, I'd drink, or, you know, till I kind of passed out, woke up in the morning and did, you know, did it again. Mm -hmm. So it was a pretty, just, is a deadly life and a very just dead end life, abusive relationships, just, it was just, it was just all just a hot mess. And even the so-called friendships I had were extremely toxic for the most mm -hmm. part. And so I didn't have, you know, I, I was spent a big part of my life hating men. Mm -hmm. I didn't trust women. And mm -hmm. so my relationship with women was just, it didn't, it didn't, didn't exist really and not in a really healthy way because when you're busy being exploited and then you're you're both put in competition with each other to be exploited mm. you know and then every woman is just like it just gets really just very just dysfunctional you know mm. it's like this do or die survival but it's it's also under a layer of being completely mentally dominated into believing that you guys need to to kind of like compete with each other to be exploited. Mm -hmm. So it's very, it's, it's just a whole lot of gaslighting, a mind screw and everything. And so I just wanted something better. And it, you know, it, I ended up making just, I started to make good friends and in between the sea of dysfunctional friendships. And I saw how beautiful their life was and how beautiful they expressed themselves and expressed their lives and how beautiful they were with other people. And I was so inspired by it. So for me, it began with a wish for, for that. I wanted to have a healthy life, even though I didn't know the word was healthy at the time, of course, that that was just not in my vocabulary. But I wanted what they had. I wanted to have a beautiful life. I wanted to be happy. I, I, so it started with not believing it would happen. It just started with a wish for it to happen. And then slowly, I, you know, I developed this path of self-love. And it was brutal. I, I think a lot of people think that self-love is just, you know, frolicking. I don't know. I don't know. Some kind of fur fur thing. You know? Totally. It's, it's like not. face masks and like baths and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It is so not just like, you know, dancing through the tulips. It's brutal. It's, it is intense, you know? And of course there are beautiful moments, but especially in the beginning, it was the most brutal. 
because for me, self-love felt alien. It felt like an attack because it's, it wasn't my normal. So when people were being loving towards me, I lashed out because it seemed like a threat to me because that was not what I was used to. I wasn't used to someone being kind to me, someone being forgiving, someone being like just completely compassionate and like not punishing. So that, that punishment was my whole life since I was very little. So to meet people who weren't trying to put me down, who were trying to uplift me, it felt threatening at first. Mm. And so I had to, you know, do the work and it was excruciating. Quite frankly, my whole like identity was deconstructed. I was just completely deconstructed, which was a hot mess for a few years. And uh, I was a hot mess for a few years because I had lived so much in the, you know, in these mindsets that I had been conditioned for and also just so used to, just so completely used to the dysfunction and, and trying to be who I thought others would want me to be, which was a survival mechanism for my abusive childhood and life. Mm -hmm. and I didn't know who I was. So getting rid of all of the masks and the layers, you know, moving through those layers for a few years, I just was, well, I didn't know what the hell was happening. Like I was really just completely confused and like what, so I had to getting rid of all of, you know, all of these, this armor that I had used for so long or beginning to beginning to move through it. I really, it was almost like, like being a newborn, like being an infant, trying to learn how to walk again, how to talk again, but this time authentically, this time who I wanted to be. And it was excruciating because I was just, I mean, all of the abandonment and everything, I was just terrified to be myself because mm. I was afraid that that meant that I wouldn't be loved. Mm. Yeah. Yeah and, yeah. and so I continued on that journey and then I just kept going. I got sober. I've been years sober from my addictions and from many of the addictions. And I'm just right now, I don't act out anywhere in my addictions. So I, you know, for the first time in my life, I'm safe. For the first time in my life, I'm completely sober, which I'll tell you what, that is no easy feat. <laughs> that is, that's sometimes just a downright battle at times, but it, mm -hmm. you know, it's my new normal. Mm -hmm. And so I have a beautiful life. It just keeps getting even more beautiful. I wake up and I don't have suicidal ideation anymore. I have no desire um, of any of that. I wake up in the morning so grateful I'm alive. I, I'm just like in celebration. I'm like, yay. And even if I wake up in the morning and I just feel like absolute crap, I still have this deep gratitude that I woke up. And so now I have this new outlook on life. I have a lot more space to be vulnerable and present with who I am and how life is and that life isn't nothing's permanent and mm -hmm. the beauty of the you know and of the uncertainty and at times it can be terrifying so I have being sober and including being sober from the mentalities that I was ingrained with you know including the the self poison the self-loathing being sober from that deep self-loathing has made such a massive difference. And I, I just have so much gratitude and joy and my life just continues to open up in the most beautiful ways. Mm -hmm. And it's just with like an ease, like just kind of like, okay, this is not because there aren't any challenges because they're sure as crap are, mm -hmm. um, but like with, but just life is just, I'm living my authentic life. Mm -hmm. I'm living my most authentic life at this time. And I know that it continue to expand. And it's just beautiful. I, and that's all from 
the seeking of self-love and doing that self-love work. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And what are some steps that like listeners can take to learn to love themselves more? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for some people, especially if, if you're in the thick of it, like I know I was when I began, <laughs> or, you know, if you're talking about like just barely getting there, sometimes self-love is such a difficult word. Mm -hmm. So if you can't say it just yet, yeah, that's okay. Then I would start with self-acknowledgement. Mm. And so like acknowledging, you know, being able to acknowledge myself for a couple things a day, like just write down three things a day that you acknowledge yourself for. Getting out of bed is something to acknowledge yourself for. Absolutely, that mm. takes something. And for some people, it takes more than it does for others. So if you got out of bed, that's an acknowledgement. If you couldn't get out of bed, but you, you know, you brushed your teeth, then good for you. You know, like mm. it's wherever you're at, be absolutely gentle with yourself and, and take the baby steps and acknowledge the baby steps because no step is tiny. This is, you know, especially if you've come from trauma, especially if you've come from a lifetime of not knowing what healthy means, of not knowing what safe means, of not knowing what it is to be loved. It's, you know, it's difficult to mimic something that you're not so sure of. Mm -hmm. So I would say if you're in that stage, that just acknowledging yourself and being gentle and taking little steps and making little goals for yourself throughout the day, like, okay, all you can do for that one day is get out and brush your teeth and you get up and brush your teeth. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you check that off a box because when we write something down and we check it off, it creates, uh, we get a little bit of a serotonin hit to the brain. So mm -hmm. the brain is very happy because there is a goal that was accomplished. So mm -hmm. if you write something down and you check it off and you're acknowledging yourself or you did something, that really helps the brain start to get back into some healthy juices. Mm -hmm. And if you've been working on self-love for a little bit and you're still very uncomfortable with the self, you know, like, okay, the mirror exercise, I know it may sound cheesy or cliche, but it really, really does wonders. And it's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel weird. But guess what? It's more weird not to love ourselves <laughs> than to look in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel weird I'm looking in the mirror saying I love you. Well, it's yeah. kind of weird to not look in the mirror and say, I love you. you know? totally. I mean, if you look it that way, you know, yeah. like it's, it's the weirdness is really not to love ourselves, but we are in a society that conditions us towards self-loathing because you got to mm -hmm. understand a lot of people make a lot of money when we don't love ourselves. Absolutely. So if you're all past that part and good on you, you know, wherever you are, deepening into the self-care is a big one. Where else can you luxuriate even more? Like decorating the home is really not just a, oh, some kind of a whim. When we really take care of our home and we decorate it the way we want, we're really giving a part of ourselves the acknowledgement and also the ownership. This is my space and I get to do whatever I want. I'm the adult now, you know, I, you want a tree in your bedroom, just paint a tree <laughs> in your bedroom, like do whatever you want. You want fairy lights, you want a dear, I don't know, whatever, like whatever <laughs> makes you happy because this is your home, you know, and it kind of helps break up any of the familial indoctrination that we get from growing up. When we do something a little bit like, oh, well, this is my style. This is what I feel like doing. And it's, it's not just owning our space, but owning our own expression. And we are all creative. You know, it doesn't have to look like we, we were like the 
perfect decorators. It doesn't matter. But we all have a creative sense of what we really like and what we enjoy. If we allow ourselves to play with that, we kind of get to open up to ourselves even more. And uh, for me, I really love soft fabrics. I like soft mm -hmm. things. So putting soft things around my house, like softer mm. or just soft blankets or like, you know, I like white pink curtains or, you know, satin pillows, whatever, like whatever texture that you really like. Now, other people like different textures. Other people like wool. Other people like, you know, like cross thatch, whatever, you know, whatever it is that you like, what your unique style is. I'm briefly interrupting this episode to talk to you about rapid transformational therapy and it really feels fitting with this episode talking about learning to love yourself and learning to celebrate men because a lot of the times when we're struggling in these areas or struggling to create the relationships we want it's because there's something in our subconscious telling us that this isn't possible or we're not worthy of it and so it really is powerful to rewire what's going on in your subconscious because that basically acts like your computer programming and is dictating how things go in the world around you and 95% of our behavior is actually dictated by our subconscious so that's why we can be doing things like getting into the same relationship with multiple different people but it's like the same dynamic is always there it shows us on our sub in our subconscious there's something going on that is promoting this programming even if it's not something that you consciously want so i have had amazing success working with women around their relationship patterns through rtt so if this is something you know that you need to heal in yourself i would strongly encourage you to book in a session you can do that either through my website kimacrig.com or there's a link in the show notes, or you can reach out to me on Instagram if you have some more questions. I'm at kim.acrig over there. So let's get back into the show. Decorating the home is a really big piece of self-care. Mm. Also, taking care of our feet. You know, in other cultures, that's a big, you know, way of, of self-care and taking care of the body, deepening our self-care in the body, giving ourselves pedicures, regardless of gender. It's 2020, you mm -hmm. know, totally you know, self-care, <laughs> self-care is for everybody. We've just sold it in one direction for a while. Mm -hmm. um, but like anything, you know, taking a nap or, or having like a, you know, I know not everybody can afford to go get a massage, but sometimes they have like these little massage like area machines for like 30 bucks on Amazon. If you can't do that, that's fine too. Like you can massage your own feet. Like, Anything that maybe you thought was just luxurious and, oh, it's just a luxury. I don't need that. Well, we do need luxury and mm. luxury is not as luxury. Like it's not just a luxury either. It's deep self care, you know, like going into, you can get at Trader Joe's five bucks. What do you call that? The salt scrub, mm. you know, like it doesn't mm. have to be expensive. It's just little things that we use to really take that time and be present with our body and thank our body because connection with the body is a very big piece of self-love. So those are just some, some ideas. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are so good because sometimes we think it needs to be like this big, elaborate, huge thing, but it doesn't really right. need to be. It can be like just no. simple little easy steps every day that you can take just towards cultivating that relationship with yourself exactly exactly like a, a moment for tea or you know just doodling a lot of people 
don't let themselves draw or, or, or paint or doodle because, oh, I'm not an artist. Everybody's an artist. Mm -hmm. Now, it's like we're not going to be critiqued by a bunch of, you know, we're not going out to be with art critics. It's just about expression and having fun. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, getting in touch with that is fun and getting in touch with our, what our inner child wants to do in a healthy way. Mm, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the inner child can really run the attic pretty good too. So, yeah, you know, inner parenting to do it healthily. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of mentioned this before, but can you tell us a little bit more about learning to love and celebrate men? Yeah, absolutely. So this was a big part of my journey. It was a big part of my self-love journey. And for some people that might sound counterintuitive because most people, when they hear that phrase, they might think it's just an outer conversation, but it's not. It began within me. And so being in the you know sexual exploitation world, I actually really began to hate men because of all of the experiences I was having. And I just... I mean, I had that issue with women for a while too, but I really just, I, I projected all of my pain on everything that was done to me onto half of the planet. And I just was like, well, I guess that's just who men are. And, you know, and I just, yeah, it was very, very, you know, I became very toxic towards men too. And so I started to, I started to question things. I started to you know, I also saw some things that just didn't seem like the way men were portrayed as the norm either. So I, you know, I just paid attention to a lot of the things that were happening around me. And I started to listen to, you know, men would start to share with me the abuse that they were dealing with. Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh? What? Like from women. And that was so not something that I, I understood. It's not something that I knew. So I just listened in shock. And a lot of the times when they would share, they would share it jokingly, which was definitely a defense mechanism because clearly they were used to not being taken seriously when they would share that a woman was hurting them. But they would show me scars. They would show me scars from the things that women would do to them, like stab them and, and mm -hmm. all this other stuff. So I was like, huh, something's not what it seems. And mm. um, so I started to kind of go down that road. And then I, I think it was in my, well, anyway, years after, you know, all of these experiences, I went into just like, I, I was really getting tired of hearing the, the hateful conversations towards men. Cause at that point I was trying to heal my own perspective of men. Mm. And I was like, this doesn't sound right. And this doesn't sound like a joke. And this, so I really started to question like the way, men were being communicated about and the way I was communicating about men as well. And so I was saying, you know, I love men, I love men. And so I was like, I want to share something. I really want to heal this conversation somehow. And over the years it evolved many, many times over till it became loving and celebrating men. And I realized when I was looking up information for loving and celebrating men, I, all I found was how men can love and celebrate women were mm -hmm. porn. Like there was mm. nothing that had to do with, yeah, it was like no, no articles on loving men or anything. I was like, really? This is weird. So I dove deep into it and I, I reached out to people and I started to have conversations with people in the men's rights conversation. And I was like, I want to empower men. And then someone was like, gently said to me, well, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, or, you know, they shared with me, they're like, you know, often when people say they want to empower men, 
what they don't understand or what they really are saying underneath that is they want to fix men. And so I sat with that and I was like, huh, interesting. So I took that on and I was, you know, really mulling that over. And I mean, it would be years later until I actually got what he was saying, but mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. And I went to inquiry. I created the Facebook page. It was a Facebook page at the time. It was loving and celebrating men. Now it's all under one umbrella of open heart tonight. But I was, I was just like, wow. Okay. You know, and then I got into, you know, listening to these conversations and listening to these men. And I remember there was a forum where everyone was talking and asking questions and I was asking questions. Now I can't say that I came in there like a lamb. I really was just like, I just want to, you know, like I, mm. I just kind of came in like a storm and was like, okay, I, you know, I was just asking questions, arguing with people and everything. So, mm. and then someone was sharing, I'll never forget this because someone shared in the forum and they said, I believe in, children and pregnant women going first but then everything should be equal and I remember being absolutely terrified by that and Mm. then I was terrified that I was terrified by that Mm. because that was equality so why was that terrifying to me so what that opened up for me is I didn't realize that I had this entitlement to men's safety uh, and my safety over men's safety and it was very shocking for me it was very I was like what but what, you know, so, and I sat with it and I was with that and I was like, wow. And then, and I brought up these conversations with people and I was not ready for the hellstorm that was aimed my way because I was like, oh, did you hear about this? Mm. And I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to talk about this, but I thought we're talking about equality. Mm. Um, so it was many years of that conversation, lots of, yeah, ugly, ugly things said to me, but I, I've been an activist for over 20 years, so I was kind of used to it, but mm. I, it was very, yeah, it was quite the journey, and I, I definitely learned a lot about it, and I still talk about loving and celebrating men, because it's my Me Too story of healing. Mm. It wasn't until I started to heal my perspective of men, and challenge my perspective of men, and really dive into how I was still projecting all of my pain onto half of the planet, And it was in a way, in a sense, a type of a survival mechanism because uh, I just couldn't be with what had happened. Mm. But I also realized that underneath that, there was still a part of me that was blaming myself for what had happened. Mm. And that was mixed in with my cycle of projecting that onto men. And there was like just this, I had to face a lot. I had to face a lot and it was not comfortable Mm-hmm. And it's still not comfortable. I still stay open to, you know, seeing where else I might be unconscious because I never like to say it's a state of arrival, mm-hmm. but I did heal my relationship, my perspective of men as a whole. You don't mm-hmm. see men as like some evil conglomerate across the globe, you know, like, mm-hmm. and so it was so powerful for me. And it was very interesting because what I didn't expect is men helped me heal my relationship with women. Mm. and that was a very powerful experience because to see other women through the eyes of men and how the you know the men that I was experiencing and how they were seeing you know women in general even the you know whatever I just spoke to so so many men and even those that some people would like maybe just be like oh he doesn't know what he's talking about but all of the men I just noticed one thing is that at some level even if the, the way it was being spoken of was twisted, at some level, every single man, whether he was a completely just healthy man 
or a man who was just really in deep pain and going through trauma, there was this, there was this holding or the thinking of women of sacred on some level. And so it really helped me heal my perspective of women because they would see what me and other women arguing and they'd say, you know, I had a few men tell me, they're like, you're not supposed to argue with other women. You're supposed to be good to each other. Mm. You know, this is a difficult world. You have to be good to each other. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at first I was like, don't tell me what you do. But then I was <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> yeah. and, then I, and I was like, oh, you know, they, you know, he has something there. And I started to begin to heal my relationship with women and heal my relationship with my own femininity. Mm-hmm. And so it was this really beautiful experience. And I, there's no way I could have come through this journey without challenging my perspective of men, because as I healed my perspective of men, the, the, just the, the beautiful, like, experiences that I was having by letting men in, I realized I wasn't alone anymore. Mm-hmm. I had been living as if I was an alien in a world pretty much. And then I realized that men were going through their trauma and that we're all trying to work towards healing trauma together and towards stopping, you know, the abuses that are happening out in the world. So it really helped me feel no longer so isolated mm-hmm. and no longer so disconnected from men. And I remember like I, I physically one day I felt like this weight just lift off of me and my whole world throughout the process had been turned right side up. And so I went outside and I was, I felt so full of like, I just felt so free. And so I was like, Oh, you mean there's not, you know, someone's not waiting around the corner everywhere to like hurt me. You know, mm. I mean, that's how, traumatized and so hyper-focused I was and not to say that the world isn't dangerous as it freaking is you know Mm -hmm. and I live in New York City but Mm -hmm. it's not as dangerous it's not as hyperly dangerous as I was living you know Mm -hmm. like I was just like any second I'm gonna die you know Mm -hmm. and so I went outside and I was able to walk past a man I was able to walk past a man where before my body would recoil Mm -hmm. like just on its own. It wasn't even something that I planned. I would just recoil. That was my trauma responses. So it felt so amazing to finally open up and, and I'm always learning, you know, I'm always listening to, you know, what's being reflected back at me. And I'm by no means, am I saying, Oh, I'm so perfect. I didn't (laughs) know. That's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But I do have, you know, I did heal my perception of men as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Thank you. (laughs) I think it's something that so many people resonate with because it's like, I think a lot of people, they have a lot of wounding around like what men mean to them or like there's this cultural idea that like they just are getting a bit of a bad rap at the moment. And it's just like, I think people need to like, they need to heal that relationship with themselves. And then it will also change how other people, how they treat other people and how it shows up for them. Absolutely. Because loving and celebrating men is an extension of loving and celebrating myself. Yeah. So if I didn't have that self-love journey within there, it would just, it just wouldn't happen. It just, it wouldn't, you know, I was, Mm. I was seeking my own self-love and seeking my own healing. And so that became, that's an extension of it. And I still, you know, I still talk about it because it's, I feel it's so important because I do see a lot of hurt that gets projected onto men Mm. and, and it's, it's usually not conscious, 
Sometimes it is, but often, you know, even when people are saying it's conscious, there's some deep, deep hurt there because I, I don't believe as humans, we really want to be hurtful unless, you know, someone's like a sociopath, which that's a you know, whole different ball game. <laughs> that's a whole different, yeah. And so they can't really help themselves. So that's a different, you know, they need support, but it's like, yeah, so it's, it really, and the thing is what I was doing was I was keeping myself imprisoned to the men who did hurt me mm. because they were still running my life mm -hmm. with the, with, you know, that perspective that they, they instilled in me through the trauma they put onto my body. Mm -hmm. They were still running my life by me allowing myself to like, just project onto all of men. Mm. because that was the the impression that these men left on me so I wasn't living free I was still living at the effect of my abusers mm. so in or like as I healed that perspective and relationship and was able to I was able to free myself mm. yeah absolutely well thank you so much for your time today this was incredible absolutely. um can oh, you tell <laughs> of course can you tell everyone where to find you online yeah, absolutely. So I am at openheartsunite.org. And that's also Open Hearts on Linktree. And that's the name of my YouTube channel as well, which you can find on my website. So amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for today. It was incredible. Oh, thanks so much for having me.